I really do believe in limited government, fiscal responsibility, and that people should be responsible for their own actions. And I don't see very much of that in, in the majority of um, people in public service. I couldn't agree more. People should be responsible for their own actions. And we shouldn't spend more money than we actually need. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That voice sounds familiar. It couldn't be. Could it? <laughs> I just love the internet. Here we go. Come early, my friends. You know, some people, they wish for guns and toys and bars of gold underneath the tree. Not me. No. I ask the big fat guy for incriminating stuff that you've said in the past. Oh, I just can't help myself. Run, run, Rudolph. Santa's gotta make it to town. Santa, make him hurry. Tell him he can take the freeway. Boy, did he ever. Santa definitely did not disappoint this morning. Wait a minute. Well, it's not even Christmas morning, but you, know, you get the idea. This one's going to be a lot of fun, my friends. Well, good morning, and welcome to yet another Redcoat head-exploding installment of Weekend Update. From high above all other puerile and pedantic forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the very shiny silver cowboy state politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. It's amazing to me, my friends, how many holidays we have that are at least in part homage to the free market capitalistic system that we have. Think about it. Santa Claus is a free market guy. He's a private individual that uses his own resources to do good in the world. And by far, conservatives donate way more money to charitable causes than any Democrat. Fact is, there's probably just a couple of free market capitalistic conservatives that donate more money than all of the liberals put together. So why then do all the Democrats and Redcoats down in Cheyenne paint themselves as the compassionate ones? They're the ones that care about their fellow man. All at your expense, by the way. They don't want to use their money. They want to use your money. Rob from the rich, give to the poor. That's why they're all up in arms about the potential shutdown of the government. If that happened, they wouldn't get to play Santa Claus all year. But my friends, there's one guy out there that doesn't believe in all this phony altruism. He doesn't believe in perpetrating a theft of the fruits of your labors. Uh-uh. He believes in personal responsibility and fiscal conservatism. What? 
You don't believe me? Here's him saying it. Do you consider yourself different from most politicians? And if you do, then how? I think every politician probably thinks that they're different than everybody else. But, but uh, I really do believe in limited government, and fiscal responsibility, and that people should be responsible for their own actions. And I don't see very much of that in, in the majority of um, people in public service. He's got a point. I don't see much of that going on either. But there he is, waving the conservative banner. Personal responsibility, fiscal conservatism. We don't need to spend more money than we actually need. People need to take care of themselves. In this great country of ours, everyone has an opportunity to be successful. And they also have an opportunity to provide for them and their families. And put all of those great Christmas gifts underneath the tree. It's not the government's job to do any of that. Now, how did he put it again? People should be responsible for their own actions. And I don't see very much of that in, in the majority of um, people in public service. And we should probably listen to the first part of that again, too. Yeah, jingle bells, jingle bells. I really do believe in limited government, and fiscal responsibility, and that. That is the same guy that said this 12 years later when he was talking about Medicaid expansion. This is a good deal for Wyoming. It could be a good deal. We can't even start to figure it out until we pass this bill. A good deal? Yeah, I don't think so. But it does sound conspicuously like this. And since this is the season of giving, a little present to my buddy Nancy, Nancy Case. It's, it's going to be very very exciting but we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it oh yes it's very very exciting one more comparison just one more time i promise okay well maybe not this is a good deal for wyoming it could be a good deal we can't even start to figure it out until we pass this bill if you've forgotten that is fremont county senator kale case in reference to medicaid expansion Oh, 13 years ago, he started out as the flag-waving conservative, kind of part of the Tea Party movement. And here we are, 13 years later, and he's Mr. Medicaid Expansion. Full-blown communist. And one of his favorite tools is an erroneous poll that surfaced in 2021 that was paid for by the medical lobby. But you wouldn't know that if you listened to Kale Case or if you read the Oil City News. And we should just start referring to them as the Oil Slick. I wish I could take credit for that one, but it was one of the loyal listeners of Cowboy State Politics that came up with that. So henceforth be known as Oil Slick. Anyhow, we now know who pays the bills at the Oil City News. In fact, they pushed out a piece of propaganda paid for by, among others, AARP and the American Cancer Association, and they portrayed it as a news article. Under the banner of Latest News, they published an article entitled Wyoming Voters, Regardless of Party or Region, Want Medicaid Expansion. Now, in all fairness, at the top of the article, it does say promoted, and the byline says Oil City Sponsor. But honestly, nobody pays attention to that. Most people just look at the headline and then start reading the article. In any case, the poll that this article is talking about is not late, and it is certainly not news. In fact, this is the same poll that Kale Case cites all of the time and has been doing so since 2021 when this so-called poll came out. The poll was sponsored by this outfit called the Healthy Wyoming Coalition. Sounds great, doesn't it? 
And if you look at the bottom of this propaganda article, it sounds like this poll was sponsored by some pretty upstanding groups. Well, I mean, most of them are pretty left-leaning, but here's the list. And I quote, New Bridge Strategy fielded a poll on behalf of several national partners of the Healthy Wyoming Coalition. Those partners included the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network, AARP, the American Heart Association, and the American Lung Association. Well, those sound pretty persuasive, don't they? Except that most of them were all in favor of Obamacare. But the interesting part of this piece of propaganda are the sponsors of that poll that are left off of their list. If you go take a look at the Healthy Wyoming website under the About section, you'll find a laundry list of very interesting organizations, including the Equality State Policy Center. Yeah, that's the group that's about every single left-wing idea that you could possibly come up with and is funded by labor unions who get a very large chunk of money from spooky dude himself, George Soros, and it's funded through the Center for American Progress. And then there's the WEA. Yeah, the Wyoming Education Association. They're great. They're also the outfit that has an entire section of their website with the socialist fist at the very top. Yeah, those people are in charge of educating your kids. Great, huh? And then there's Better Wyoming. Yeah, that's Nate Martin's group, who is funded by the George B. Storer Foundation. Uh, George B. Storer Foundation, that is Liz Storer's group. You know, soon-to-be Representative Liz Storer. She's actually Wyoming's version of George Soros. I've got something for her coming here pretty quick. And then there's the Sierra Club. How much more conservative can you get? You know, the club that wants to ban guns and is about all kinds of liberal stuff. And of course, then there's Wyoming Rising. We haven't talked about those guys for a while, but that's a super left-leaning group of former and current professors at the college over in Powell. These folks are the rabid pro-abortion activists. You know, the people that wear all those pink hats? Yep, that's them. They've done all sorts of great stuff over in Powell. And who could forget Wyoming equality? You know, that's Sarah Burlingame's pro-LGBTQ outfit. They're also the group that is adamantly opposed to removing pornography and pedophilia materials from Wyoming libraries, regardless of how graphic it might be. They're totally in favor of that book, Gender Queer, the one I told you about a few weeks ago. Uh-huh, that's them. I'm sure I've just grazed the surface of this cadre of awesome organizations. Cadre, huh. Interesting term. I may have used that one on purpose. But anyway, it kind of leads you to believe that maybe this poll is, isn't entirely unbiased. Keep in mind, I just read you the list of the people that are paying some of the bills at the Oil City News. How unbiased could they be? In any case, let's talk about this famous poll that every left-wing wacko that supports Medicaid expansion cites all of the time. It only surveyed 500 Wyoming voters. 500 out of 500,000. That's one one-thousandths of a percent of the Wyoming population, and yet the poll claims to represent the majority of Wyoming citizens. The secondary problem with that is they don't tell you who they surveyed. Most political polls, they'll tell you, well, such this percentage of people that responded were Republican. This percentage were Democrat. You don't know that with this poll. Considering who sponsored this poll, you could just imagine the questions that were asked of respondents. I'm sure none of them were leading questions. 
So in any case, this poll that every single liberal trumpets from the rooftops about Medicaid expansion is at the very least extraordinarily biased is sponsored by some very, very left-leaning organizations, and there's absolutely no transparency whatsoever with this poll. In other words, it's complete and total bullcrap. Last, and at the risk of repeating myself, don't forget who is funding this poll. Who is paying the bills at the Oil City News? It's just about every left-leaning organization in the state of Wyoming. Boom. Coming up after the break, I've got a great conversation with Chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, Representative John Baer. He joined me to talk about Medicaid expansion and this ridiculously dumb poll. Before we get to the break, I think we should have a little bit more Christmas music. Here's a little piece from yet another one of my favorites. Cowboy State Politics is brought to you by my good friends at the Winget Food Truck. It's Saturday morning, and you know what I'm always thinking about? Hot wings. Hot wings from the Winget Food Truck. They make the most amazing hot wings in the state of Wyoming, and it's not just hot wings. They have several other different flavors. I personally recommend the garlic parmesan wings. They're incredible. To figure out where that truck is going to be, go to CowboyStatePolitics.com and look underneath the Sponsors tab, and you can find their schedule there. That way, you can plan your entire week around where that truck is going to be. That's the Wing It Food Truck. In case you haven't noticed, it's Christmas time. And if you've been struggling with what to get your better half, well, let me suggest some socks from the Buffalo Wool Company. I'm telling you, my friends... These are the warmest socks I've ever put on my little toes. They're even better than my pair of Pendleton wool socks, and that's saying something. So if you're in need of a Christmas present, I highly recommend you check out the Buffalo Wool Company. Go to their website, thebuffalowoolco.com. Trust me, you're not going to be disappointed. Morton Buildings is your source for metal building construction in the state of Wyoming. They do top-notch work, and they've been doing it longer than anybody else around. So it doesn't really matter what type of metal structure you've been thinking about. 
call my friends Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings, 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. And now, back to our program. To round out our discussion of Medicaid expansion and what an incredibly stupid idea it is, I spoke with Representative John Baer from Gillette. Here's our conversation. There have been several articles recently about Medicaid expansion in Wyoming. And if you're a longtime listener of the program, you'll remember that over the past two years, they've tried Medicaid expansion in Cheyenne at least eight times. The upcoming session, they're going to give it a couple more cracks. I thought I'd reach out to the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, John Baer. Welcome back to the program, John. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me on. I guess where I'd like to start is, why don't you just give our listeners the quick and dirty why Medicaid expansion is a really horrible idea? Well, the first and foremost, it's, in my mind, the largest expansion of government that we will have seen in decades in the state of Wyoming at a time when, you know, I'm looking at Wyoming having the ranking of 50th out of 50 states for the most state employees per 10,000 population. So we're already heavy on government, and this is another expansion of government. Another way of looking at this is this is more government-provided health care. There isn't anything within the healthcare industry that government has done well. So I'll, I'll remind your listeners of a couple of promises we heard when Medicaid, or not Medicaid, Obamacare came into effect, which Medicaid expansion is just expanding Obamacare. One was if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Another was your premiums will go down. If, if anybody believes that, I've got some beachfront property around Guernsey to sell them. Exactly. So, so you know, government uh, expanding to cover more people uh, and taking it into the Medicaid realm, which Medicaid in itself is designed to help people who cannot work, single mothers or disabled people. So those people are covered under Medicaid. And now we're going to extend that coverage to people who are able-bodied and able to work, who supposedly fall outside of the exchange for Obamacare. So what we're saying is that we're going to really start taking away the resources from people who really, really need it and giving them to people who don't necessarily need it so bad. One of the problems with Medicaid expansion that has happened in every single state that has accepted it is that they they estimate how many people are in this area that you know fall outside of the exchange and don't qualify for Medicaid. And the number of people that sign up for Medicaid expansion is usually triple that of what they estimate. And the reason is, is that if I'm working, you know, 40 hours a week and I'm paying, uh, you know, a premium for my health care and all I have to do is work two hours less a week and I suddenly qualify for free health care, guess what people's behavior is? Well, of course, they're going to take the freebie. Yeah. And so you, you specifically at a time like right now where we don't have enough labor, 
uh, you're going to take people out of the labor market and then you're going to give them uh, free health care. So what that does, it puts a lot of pressure on the people who do need uh, the government provided health care, those who can't work and can't afford it because they cannot work. And now the doctors that they can see, um, the, you know, the, the amount of care that's available to them is going to necessarily be reduced. Let's just talk about the policy side of it just for a second. You know, one of their chief arguments is that only 19,000 people will sign up for Medicaid. I mean, you just pointed out that in every single state that this has been tried, that number's double, if not triple, their initial estimate. And right now, the Biden administration is really trying to entice the few states that have not signed up for Medicaid expansion, Wyoming being one of them, by giving them a, a higher match federal match to state match, um, somewhere along the lines of 90% to 10%. But it's limited to two years that they give you that match, and then they can reduce that to anything they want. So, you know, typically it's like a 55-45 match. And this this uh, type of match is, create you know, with the, the mandate to take care of these people once you've gone into it, and, and the number of people that sign up for it, because it's free, uh, it becomes too burdensome for most states. And you're going to see uh, that, that several states are nearing bankruptcy just because of Medicaid expansion, something that Wyoming just does not need to, to live through. And there's a good reason that for eight years uh, it has not been able to pass uh, because the legislature has realized this is not good for the people of Wyoming. Well, no. And the way that they've got it set up, at least their last iteration of the plan, is that if you make around the poverty level or at the poverty level, and I believe that that's like $36,000 a year or around there, those people who make 137% above the poverty level would qualify for Medicaid expansion. Well, 137%, I mean, you're going to be pretty close to the median average income in the state of Wyoming, which the median household income is around $68,000. So really, we're going to be offering free health care for just about everybody. It could be. It's just going to be burdensome. The number of doctors that are willing to take Medicaid uh, expansion or Medicaid period uh, is going to be reduced because they just don't get the kind of reimbursement that they're expected or expecting to get. So now you're going to take that reduced number of doctors and you're going to try to take care of more people with that reduced number of doctors. What's the natural result of that? People don't get the, the care that they really are looking for. Well, and yeah, and then there's the big picture argument is that when the government is in control of your health care, your health care choices, your personal choices, personal health care freedom, if you want to put it that way, it goes down because there's only going to be a certain number of uh, procedures or medications or anything like that that Medicaid is going to approve of. And so the truth is the quality of health care is actually going to go down as the participation in the program goes up. You know, you bring up a great point, David. You know, if your listeners remember Hillary Clinton under the Bill Clinton administration had a, a secret group that started working on government provided health care. And one of the things that came out of that meeting was that, well, you know, we can do this, but there's going to necessarily have to be death panels. Yes. And then 
uh, when Obamacare came around, we were promised there would be no death panels. And what we mean by death panels is hard decisions have to be made when the resources cannot match the demand. And that's what you and I are talking about right now is resources not matching the demand. Whether there's a panel that determines whether or not you get surgery uh, to save your life or not, I don't know whether we'll be there or not, but somebody's going to have to make a decision. Somebody's going to be on the losing end of life-saving health care. Now, why is it that, you know, before Obamacare came along, we had 78% of Americans had health care that they were pleased with, and now we're well below that. So this solution of letting the government run our health care has not improved health care for the, the general population. Well, now, John, according to the Oil City News, the vast majority of people in Wyoming support Medicaid expansion. <laughs> I noticed that in their survey, they, they missed a whole corner of the state. It just happens to be my corner. You know, maybe it's because of the Chip and Bear show. We're getting the word out about Medicaid expansion and nobody in Northeast Wyoming is interested. Anyway, uh, yeah, it, they, there may be people that uh, think that government-ran health care is a good idea. I doubt that it's the majority, as this poll suggests. Uh, but any small amount of education on the issue will certainly turn that number around, if true. You know, there's also been polls that say that young people are are interested in socialism and communism as opposed to capitalism and having a, a constitutional republic for government. So obviously, when you have a lack of education, you have some pretty crazy ideas when you when you poll people. The poll itself is suspect. This is the one that they always cite. And the truth of the poll is they only surveyed 500 people. And the poll itself was sponsored by the medical lobby. When we look at polls and when journalists cite them, there has to be some criticism of, okay, who sponsored the poll? How many people did they did they survey? Is it really representative of the state as a whole? And this one, man, I mean, it's published by all the medical lobbies. So at the very least, we should look at this with a, uh, a healthy dose of skepticism. Well, and I think the people of Wyoming, after having gone through a pandemic and, and asking us to have a special session to try to push back on the federal government, uh, I think that there's a real lack of interest in taking on more federal dollars that come with federal strings attached. So here's, a, here's another example of expanding government and doing it with the uh, people in Washington, D.C. making the decisions. don't think the people of Wyoming are very interested in that. Oh, I completely agree with you. In fact, I just found the list of the people that sponsored this poll, and let me just read it to you. It says, New Bridge Strategy, which that's the folks that sponsored the poll, fielded a poll on behalf of the several national partners of the Healthy Wyoming Coalition. These partners included the American Cancer Society, Cancer Action Network, AARP, and the American Heart Association, and the American Lung Association. You don't think that they have a vested interest in getting Medicaid expansion passed, do you? And I'm surprised the Wyoming Hospital Association isn't on there as well. They're probably there somewhere. Maybe in the background. We have to be clear with your listeners that this is a dangerous prospect. Here's what testimony I heard on the floor of the House back in 2021 
when this was brought before the House and passed on a 32 to 28 vote, which, by the way, I was one of the 28 that voted against, we were told that even though the federal government is matching 90% to 10% for only two years, we were going to write it into the bill that if uh, the, the percentage changed, that we were backing out of it. Well, I'm here to tell you that no state has ever been able to get out of Medicaid expansion, even when they highly desire to do so. But also, is it realistic to believe that we would give people health care for two years, and then when the federal government changes the rules, we would simply say, I'm sorry, you're no longer going to get health care paid for by the state of Wyoming. I don't think we could legally do that. That's the big push, is that we couldn't even legally do it. But think about the picture or the optics of giving away free health care for two years and then taking it away. And there, there'll be such an outcry. It would that, be absolutely wrong. And we would be creating dependence in that <laughs> during that two years. Oh, yeah. Well, another way that, they, that they've tried to get Medicaid expansion passed is kind of through the back door. Uh, one of, well, two of the ways it happened last session is uh, Nancy Case tried it as a budget amendment, and then Eric Barlow did the exact same thing to the budget and added another amendment. So the folks that are pushing this, they're not above doing things on the sly. So there's another bill that's up in the legislature this session, and this one expands postpartum coverage under Medicaid. Are you familiar with that one yet, John? I have, I have gotten wind of it, but I haven't read the bill. Just looking at the bill, it's just another way to expand Medicaid because they're so vested in, and by they, I mean the Redcoats in Cheyenne, they're so vested in getting this passed that any avenue that they can do it they'll try it. And like I said, this expansion of postpartum coverage is is another one of those. You know, like I said, it's an underhanded way to try to get something you want passed when the vast majority of people are opposed to it. Right. And, you know, like I said, John, this thing's been tried at least eight times that I'm aware of, probably more. And well, so I don't anticipate the the attempts to stop coming, at least during my tenure, because the left sees this as a great way to grow government, and that's what they're after. And, and honestly, there are good people on the left. They just have the wrong idea about solving some of the problems that we have. As Ronald Reagan said, you know, government is not the correct solution. Government is the problem. So we can't expect government to solve the problem. Healthcare is, is better in the United States than anywhere else. Because healthcare in the United States still has a small part of it that is not government-run. Um, and we're, we're running out of that quickly as we allow the government to take over more and more of this sector of our economy. I just pulled up the bill that we're talking about. And just to give you an idea, just to give everybody an idea of the dollar numbers that we're talking about here. Um, all the time you hear this phrase, matching funds. And what that means is the state forks over a chunk of money and then the federal government which is your tax dollars by the way they match those funds so in this case just this postpartum coverage bill it says 3.8 million dollars of your tax dollars to cover this that's a pretty low price tag if you think of that being 10 percent. now take that multiply it by five 
in all likelihood, it, you're probably right that it isn't going to be three point eight million dollars. It's going to be a lot more than that. I mean, that's and how these things always yeah. work. And then triple it because it's not nineteen thousand people who are going to take advantage of it. Exactly. Well, John, what uh, legislative priorities are you? What are some of the legislative priorities that you and the Freedom Caucus are working on this year? Well, there's several. Um, one is to block this Medicaid expansion. Another is to uh, try to promote the bills that that ban crossover voting, where Democrats are able to register at the last minute as Republicans to uh, affect our elections. Um, there's been an effort in the news about trying to take away the Secretary of State's uh, election duties. We will fight hard against that. There's uh, uh, an opportunity to ban ESG in the state and get our investments to uh, avoid any kind of ESG, and that means environmental, social, and governance rules, you know, in other words, woke investments, uh, and get our investments out of uh, those funds that are uh, going against coal, oil, and gas here in our state, our, our number one revenue source. So uh, those are a few examples. We, uh, we're going to continue to try to, to uh, strengthen the HB 92 trigger bill. Uh, if we have to run another bill to uh, uh, outlaw abortion in the state, we'll, we'll try to do that if the, the Supreme Court's going to reverse our decision on the trigger bill. We will uh, be working toward more school choice this year. And, of course, there's going to be a supplemental budget, and that's going to be a huge fight because we have $950 million surplus, and that seems to be growing as the estimates continue to come in. So the governor has submitted a plan to uh, hopefully put a lot of that money into savings where we could have revenues come off of that uh, that would help future generations to not have to pay taxes. But it sounds like uh, the House Appropriations Committee is trying to, to take all that money and spend it. So there's going to be a fight there. And, uh, well, there's just a whole lot of, of fronts that we're going to be fighting on, but those are some of the top priorities, right? One of the more recent ones, and this is the last thing I wanted to ask you about, is the Freedom Caucus has sent a letter to the University of Wyoming um, referring to that minister down there that was kicked out of the student union for uh, what his booth said. Since we have the opportunity, why don't you just tell my listeners what your position is on that? Well, it's pretty clear. You know, the university uses their union to allow people to speak their minds and, and bring ideas and present those to students there at the union. And this particular pastor has been having a table in that union for, I think, nearly 20 years. And, of course, you know, we live in unprecedented times when truth is uh, not held in high regard. And he had on his table a statement that uh, man, uh, God created them man and woman, and then it said a particular student was a man. Well, this particular student had come out in the news and labeled himself as a trailblazer because he had pledged and been accepted into a sorority at the University of Wyoming. And so this pastor was pointing out that this guy is a man. And so uh, the university asked him to take down the name. They felt like this was uh, 
uh, picking on an individual and and they felt like that was against their policy. But there's also an article that has come out that that quotes a First Amendment professor at, uh, I believe, UCLA. And uh, he said that he reviewed the bylaws and rules that the university uses to manage the union. And they have really trampled on the First Amendment rights of this pastor. So the question is, is the pastor speaking truth and infringement on the rights and safety of uh, this individual? Well, I would say that the more we allow the woke culture to say that we that words are weapons and that they are uh, harming people, the less opportunity we have to protect our First Amendment rights at all. Once we allow them to define words as something that harms someone, our ability to have free speech, it's nearly over. The thing that struck me about it is that particular student, like you said, had been in the news and given interviews, and there were several articles written about him. So, you know, he was actually a pretty public person. If you're a public figure, a politician, or if you're in the media like myself, it's it's kind of fair game to be criticized. I mean, it's very difficult to prove any sort of uh, uh, defamation. You know, so when you when you inject yourself into the public space, that kind of goes with the territory. And it seems to me that the university is well. They're certainly picking sides there, but secondly, they're they're trying to trample on free speech in order to push an agenda. And that's, to me, for Wyoming's only land-grant university to be pushing an agenda, I find that extraordinarily objectionable. Yes, I do, too. Uh, in the, the world we live in today, universities are doing this regularly. But universities are supposed to be a place where ideas come to be debated. And that's exactly what this union was, was designed for. That's exactly what the pastor was trying to do. You know, what we didn't mention is that the university has now suspended this pastor's right to come in and have a table in the union for one year. And we asked them to reverse that decision. They have since sent us a letter saying that they are not going to reverse that decision. So it'll probably come down to uh, the courts getting involved before the university really understands what they've done. And uh, in the meantime, the legislature will likely look at ways to affect the pocketbook of the university until they understand that they really have to protect the First Amendment for all people. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, John, I appreciate you taking the time to visit with me on a Friday evening. If people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Well, one of the best ways is my Facebook page. That's where I do the Chip and Bear show um, so you can get live updates especially during the session. We'll be doing it nearly every single night. Uh, another way you can reach me at my business here in Gillette, or you can just call me. My number is listed on the WyoLedge website. You can call me on my cell phone just about any time. But again, uh, the best way is via Facebook, uh, John Bear for House District 31, and uh, look forward to talking to your listeners. Well, once again, John, thanks for taking the time, and have yourself a good weekend. Thank you. You as well, sir. There you have it. Lots of reasons to call your legislator and tell them, don't vote for that dumb piece of junk ever. Vote no on Medicaid expansion. Before I let you go, one little 
Christmas present I received this morning from Senator Nancy Case. Actually, I've gotten this one before, but I just remembered it and found it again. So I'll play it for you. It is disappointing to me as a long-term member of this legislature to hear so many falsehoods from the same people over and over. I have never experienced it quite like this. And it kind of is a signs of our times where people, uh, you know, they get something on the internet and then you see the same thing from five different people, but it still doesn't make it true. Nancy, are you thinking about me again? I'm touched. Yeah, well, the unfortunate thing about all this, Nancy, is I can prove what I say. It's too bad that you can't prove what you say and you use dumb polls to back up your ridiculous claims. In any case, timeless sound bites from Senator Nancy Case. Well, that'll do it for today's installment of the program. Have a good rest of your weekend, and we'll talk again on Monday. From the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.